Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for tuning back in. We are in the heart of a new series, The Mystery of One, Unity in the Church. And uh, so thank you for tuning in. You can always find us at pathdesign.com or, of course, here on YouTube and Facebook as well. If you want to track us on there, I try to do updates about when new episodes post over on our Facebook page as well. Plus, it's a good way to communicate with other people all over the world. That way is, is, is easier than even email. Um, but if you do want to email, pathdesignpodcast at gmail.com is the way to do that. So we're talking about this mysterious oneness that Yeshua was always talking about. And even at the end of his life, when he's communing with the Father, he's about to give himself for all of humanity on the cross in order to, to, to bring in all the scattered people amongst the nations to leave the Goyim reality behind and come into the people of Yahweh Elohim and to be his marked, set-apart, holy people. One of the last things he said was this cry out to his father saying, Oh, please, Father, make them one in the same way that we are one. No separation, no distinction in the sense that we know it according to our own understanding. One agenda, one, one kingdom, one governmental rule, one way of doing these things. Help them, Father, to be like that. With one another and with us is what I believe he was saying. Now, in part two, we talked about, um, man, what I think is just awesome. As we dissected in, in tiny measure, Psalm 133, verse 1, about how it's good and pleasant for brothers to dwell together in unity, which is going to lead us into this part three, a real good segue of establishing in our hearts and in our minds what it means to be unified. And again, as I said, I man, I still, this is only minutes ago that I recorded part two, of course, in real time. I really feel like Holy Spirit is saying we've had that backwards. If case you did not see it, if you cut it off and missed it or whatever, and it bears repeating anyway, I, I, I'm asking the question, I wonder if we've got it backwards. We're trying to become unified as the body of Messiah, the capital C Church. We're trying to become unified so that we can dwell together. But I think we're supposed to will ourselves to dwell together so that we become unified. Because I'm not going to go into all this personal testimony stuff, but um, when, when we had families here where we live, and there were four families and a whole bunch of children, and we were striving to be the Acts Church, the first church. We, my understanding at the time, I thought I was trying to, we were trying to be what the church was birthed in, in Acts chapter 2. Of course, I see that differently now, but we were endeavoring to a great, great cause together. And we had so many things in common. We seemed very unified on many, many things, but but when we came together and we dwelled together in proximity and in our hearts and we, we overlapped our lives together, we found what? Disagreement. We found things like, man, I never thought of that, or I didn't know you believed about that that way, and I didn't know you thought that, and I didn't know that's what we were doing here, and all these things came about, and what do we do then? What I have said for years since that happened, primarily between me and another brother who kind of just spearheaded this in a sense, in a, in a humble sense, and handled many things wrongly. I have no problem saying that. But when he and I had a, a, a real disagreement for the first time, 
and we had known each other for years now. Dear to my heart, love him today like a brother. We realized, I remember one day I was just praying, I'm like laboring, like, oh God, this stinks, right? <laughs> what are we going to do? I realized through the word and just praying and the Father helping me and Holy Spirit teaching me, now I need unity of the Spirit. We had unity out here, a lot of great, awesome things in common, but only when we found, um, just to make it simple, only when we found disagreement did we need unity of the Spirit. And so, man, that was such a, a beautiful thing. It was still hard. It didn't just make it easy or make it go away. But I realized then, I need unity of the Spirit with this brother. We've got to have something beyond ourselves and all these things we already agree on. And it was a great, beautiful thing. And so I say that and insert it here into this discussion because I believe that's really, that was an example of my real life where, where I had to learn that. And I think that alludes to this being possible of what I think Spirit is saying. Maybe we've got to will ourselves to dwell together, as I already referenced, in humility, in kindness, gentleness, in vulnerability with the brothers. And then we can move into unity, but instead we've flip-flopped it. We've tried to find people just like us, like us who believe the same, look the same, uh, and do all the same things I already do. Oh, we're unified. Now I can dwell with them. I think we've got it backwards. Um, but let's move on. Oh, man, let's, this is awesome. This is so cool. Let's look at some real-life relationships that we saw unfold back in Genesis. Now, I forgot. Now, <laughs> um, at the end of part two, I alluded to how I shared this with a group of people um, a couple months back. Or maybe that was just now. I don't know. I've lost my train of thought. Whatever the case, in Genesis, we, we read an account of Abraham and Lot. And, and they're, they're endeavoring together in the natural, and they get to a place where there's a problem. Okay? Um, let's, let, oh, goodness. Did I read all of that? Yeah, let's do that. Let me find Genesis real quick. Thankfully, Genesis is easy to find, right? We're in chapter 13. I try not to use my phone. I'm not a big phone Bible guy. It's fine if you are. I like real pages. I like the sound. I like books. I don't read enough, but I like books. Okay, so uh, let's just start with verse 1. Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev, he and his wife and all that belonged to him and Lot with him. Now Abram was very rich in livestock and in silver and in gold, and he went on his journeys from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai to the place of the altar which he had made there formerly. And there Abram called on the name of Yahweh. Now Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. This is so good, man. I, this is so awesome. I can't wait to talk about it. So verse 5, Lot, who went with Abram, he had flocks and herds and tents, and the land could not sustain them while dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to, to remain together. Now stop. Okay? So this is a nat I believe this is a natural example. I I felt like the Lord a couple months back in the gathering I was in, it was Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles, and we're there with however many people. And I felt like the Father wanted me to speak towards unity 
and dwelling together in unity. And I, of course, had read what we already read here, Psalm 133.1, about it's beautiful, it's pleasant, it's this awesome, wonderful thing, it's so good. And then I would say I love random things that happen that lead you somewhere in the Bible, and I landed on Lot and Abraham right here in this text in chapter 13 of Genesis. And so we we go to verse 6, and and we already saw both Abram and Lot have all these possessions. They have all this stuff, and the land could not sustain them both. It couldn't bear them. It couldn't support them properly while they were dwelling together because their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. And then something happens in verse 7. There was strife. Okay, and so let's talk about this for a few minutes, jumping off of this text. And I believe if Father is good to us and as we talk about these verses, it will help give you an image of what my heart is trying to convey in this series. Okay, so we know that unity is in union with others. It's an all-togetherness. It's a oneness. Okay, and strife here that pops up in verse 7 is controversy, disputing, and contention. Okay, so the translation that I like the best as I went through this study is that they could not dwell together because their substance was too great. Okay, so simply put, if we can just dumb this down so it's so easy for us to understand, they had too much stuff to remain together in unity. Too many things. Too many literal belongings in the natural for them to dwell in the same area and be sustained together. I would propose that this historical record of Abram and Lot speaks to what we see about us within the church. We are all carrying too much stuff to dwell together. Do you hear what I'm saying? To use this metaphorically speaking, and I feel it's okay to do this, I did two months ago and I feel clarity with it now, to tell us that the church... And all of her members, we are all carrying too much stuff. We have too much sub, too much substance to remain together in unity. Therefore, as in verse 7 between Abram and Lot, there was strife. There was disunity, disputing, contention, and controversy. It sounds like the church to me. We carry too much stuff to dwell together. Too much individuality. Too many things, to use this metaphor, I've got got too many lambs, man. And you've got too much cattle. We can't be in the same place. I got to go. Yeah, go then. There's not room for both of us here, right? To use that metaphor. Because of this, many people, many people, countless people in the church remain cut off entirely from others within the body. Because of what I believe this principle shows us. I've, I've just got too much stuff and you've got too much stuff. It's just easier if you go your way and I'll go mine. And we divide. Because you know what? We're just striving together against one another. Hurts, doctrinal differences, attitudes, all the way down to differing worship styles. They do this. We do that. I'm carrying this. You're carrying that. We simply can't endure together. We can't endure long together. It's too hard. 
So I would submit that we see this within the church. As we see with Abraham, Abram, and Lot, strife has come. And so we split off. We leave. We go our own ways. We do not endure. We often cannot tolerate the enduring that it requires to remain and dwell together in unity. So we find others more like us, air quotes, <laughs> or maybe they're easier to deal with at, at first anyway. It's always fun at first, right? You meet new people, new people come into your church or your gathering, or you go to a new place. Now it has its, it has its demands, it has its struggles, but also there's some excitement like maybe this will be different, maybe this will be better. Maybe we'll become unified here. We'll find our place, right? We've all, most of us have probably experienced that in some way or another. Or many people just forego the a gathering together in, in its entirety. They go it alone. It's too hard. It's too difficult. I'm tired of the strife. That's what I shared in part one about my own testimony. Years ago when my wife and I, we just left. If this is the church and how they treat their people, we're done. <laughs> Thankfully, the Father drew us back. So many go it alone. They ignore Hebrews' warning to, to not forsake the assembling together, especially when we see the end approaching is what it goes on to say. Now, surely that's today, right? <laughs> the verse literally translates to mean don't abandon gathering together with others. What's more clear than that? Do not abandon getting together with the living stones, people. <laughs> it's a warning. It's a command, really. After all, I've heard this before in, in many different ways and many different circumstances with people and their hurts and, and their disappointments with the church, and so they just leave. Well, we meet the two or more criteria that the Bible talks about, so, so God's in our midst, right? I think we, we errantly use that verse to, to justify not enduring long in unity alongside the other living stones. It seems easier. It does. But, but it's, it's, we, we, how in the world can iron sharpen iron if, the, if, if this iron and that iron never are even in the same room together? I mean, seriously. How can the iron in me sharpen the iron in you if we are never, ever dwelling together in some proximity of one another, even physically speaking. If we don't assemble together, how in the world does iron clash together? It cannot. It, it just can't. This isn't deep doctrine. This is, this is simple. And this leaves many people relationally deficient within the church. Wounded, isolated, alone, and hurt. I get it hurt. We have great reasons of being hurt. And so we just flee and we, we just, let's just go it alone. Or let's find three people that are kind of like us and let's just hang out with them. Or we can't do this. This group is already established and it looks like they're doing okay. They look unified from out here. Let's just jump into that because they look like us, sound like us, talk like us. Again, we take the easy way many times. Or we jump around from church to church, assembly to assembly, Bible study to Bible study, trying to find, what? Things that masquerade as unity, which is really just 
topical agreement. Now, of course, to be fair and full, seasons of life change, and many times who are in fellowship changes with it. That's, that is, of course, a, a, a vital part of our journeys. We will be with different people at different seasons in our life most times. Think of your life. Go just take a moment and go through seasons of your life where you likely were different people, even in different geographical locations, to accomplish a certain purpose for that time. But we have to know Father's leading. What is he asking of us? Who is he wanting us to be with? And whoever he says is what we go with because it's his will, his way, his desires, and not my own, looking to fit somewhere or to find any kind of camaraderie and a social club instead of of, uh, spiritual unity. Now, these changes can be healthy. Leaving groups, um, others leaving our fellowships of where we are, changes, you know, within relationships. It's okay. It can be good and healthy. (laughs) And it it can leave behind a witness of unity and love. Even when disagreements come, it can end well. It doesn't have to be a blow-up, horrible event that scars and mars and, and really makes the body look disappointing. It doesn't have to be that way. If we're really walking in humility, we can change who we are with and alongside as, as Father changes our path alongside the greater journey. But as we discussed in the, in the Festivals or Feast series, what we're practicing now is what will be. As we talked about even in the Millennial Kingdom, there will be Sukkot, Feast of, of Tabernacles, booze. That is a perf- that's why I love the, the Fall Feast. <laughs> I love the, the in-gathering practice of, man, I am literally intense alongside these people. And you know what? If it weren't for this event, I would never be with these people because they're really not they're really not my kind of people. You know what I mean? But there's something greater than that. There's something greater than that. When I look at a brother beside me and I just go, "Oh gosh. Oh, Father, <laughs> give me spiritual eyes to see because in my individual stone reality, that's not the stone I want to be put beside in the building, God." Right? To use that metaphor, If I'm honest, can we be honest? Is that the stone you want me to be beside, Father? Okay. Why? Because as we've already talked about, it's not about the living stones. It's about the building and coming together to create and establish and erect a holy temple where Yahweh himself is pleased to dwell. I believe he's pleased by that. Look at Yeshua's life. He gave his life, not forget the cross for a moment. He endured long with the brothers around him that were going to deny him and betray him. How? Why? Because he understood unity and his heart's cry was, let them be one like we're one. And the only way to do that is to endure long right alongside them for the greater good, and for the greater establishing of Father's kingdom and ways. We have been called to do the same. And we can do it. We can do it. If we're honest, we could just say a lot of, a lot of times, many times, we just don't want to. We're stubborn. We're hard-hearted. We're too individually minded. 
were selfish. And well, I don't, I can't, I can't be around that guy. And again, we're talking about in the body of Messiah now. For, not forget the world, but put the world over here. We're talking about the functionings of the body, of the brethren, okay? And how we view one another. So we know that, that we will dwell together in booze in a prophesied yet-to-come millennial kingdom age. I'm probably going to be camped out alongside the guy I can't stand. <laughs> because the scattered ones will be called together, literally from the corners of the earth. So shouldn't we be practicing this now instead of isolating ourselves in the, in the individual stone reality? Or our little group of stones here, we're gonna, we're, we know we can't build a building. There's not enough of us, so we're just gonna be a nice pile of living stones over here by ourselves, because we can't really handle you. We're gonna erect 200 living stones over here. Now we're incapable of building the whole because that's a biblical reality. It takes the body at large to establish and erect the temple for Yahweh to dwell. But we don't know how to deal with you because you weren't baptized in the same name that I was. Or you don't call Yahweh the, the right name. I can't talk to you. You are on Lunar Sabbath instead of, you know what I'm saying? And so we erect these piles of stones where, well, there's a hundred of us here. We're all the same type of stone. I know we're supposed to create a building with those people over there, but we don't really like them. They're not like us. And so we are a pile of stones here. And I'm telling you, that's what the Spirit's saying. We're a pile of stones here. We're a pile of stones there. And we're a pile of stones there. And there's no temple. There's no beautiful building and structure. I'm writing that down so that I remember. Let us not be piles of stones or individual living stones. Let us come together to erect the building. So this, this mansion in the sky doctrine where you get saved and Jesus would have died just for you. It's all about you and he's in heaven building you a mansion to live in. And this and so many endless other Christian doctrines. We've personalized the gospel to be all about us individually. What I get what I need to do, who I am, what I bring to the table, what I receive in salvation, what I'll get in heaven. We've lost the people mindset that the scriptures have laid out. Because Yahweh said what? You were formerly not a people, and I've made you a people. He wants a people. He wants an identifiable nation of people. He does not want individuals scattered all about doing their own thing and just loving him the way they see him. He wants an agreed-upon endeavor, law, governmental authority, and way. His. And people who come underneath that through Yeshua Messiah, empowered by Holy Spirit, to be a unified people who are echad, one, with one another and with him. I believe that's his goal for his people. So we're rehearsing now, and, and that's why the, one of the reasons why the Feast of the Lord matter. We get to do that now. 
I literally practice alongside other people who are not like me to tabernacle together like I will be doing in an age to come. Oh, and if you believe in just just 45 degree, well, probably 55 degree bright white heaven where you're floating around from mansion to mansion visiting your neighbors and Aunt Bessie, even in that, what about your individuality? Well, I guess you can just go back to your mansion and close the door for the night and watch what, I don't know, what do you watch on TV in heaven? I don't know. I'm being ridiculous now, I know. But you get the point. There's no room for individuality in the body of Messiah. None. Period. Yeshua said it himself. Help them to be one with us and one with one another. Now, let me just speak to this as we bring this one to an end. A little bit of more personal stuff, and we're closer to, to wrapping this up. Right now in our lives, in my family, my household, we've never been more a part of a, a more part of a diverse group of believers in our life ever. My wife and I are fixing to be married 22 years. We've been through a number of things. Churches, denominations, mega church, house church, all this stuff. Man, we're we're in a colorful group of 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 believers right now. And I looked I wish I just being honest. This is just how we roll here. I wish it looked different than it does. I wish I was alongside people who are every everything I could do a checklist for about things I think should be the way they should be. Even according to scripture. You should do this, you should do this, and you should do this like we do. But friends, that's not reality. And that's not unity of the spirit. So it's hard. It's very challenging. More so than if I was alongside people who dress like us and don't watch what we don't watch and don't do what we don't do and don't go where we don't go and do what we do and you know all these things, it would be easier to find a bunch of people like us. But brothers, that's not the oneness that Yeshua was talking about. That's not the unity, I don't believe, that Paul was always talking about. If so, why would we need to endure so so long together, alongside the brothers? Shoot, we see that all the way back to Moses. Moses abandoned who he could have been. Why? (sighs) To endure alongside Yah's people. The rebellious, stubborn, stiff-necked, hard-hearted, idolatrous ones. (sighs) Right? It's the pattern of the Bible. So if we are looking for people just like us, I would say we're missing the mark. And we have it backwards. So am I okay with the body of believers I'm with right now not being how I wished they were? I am. Because I'm thankful that there's anybody in my life because Father's good and kind by allowing me to experience his mystery of one. Because there's something greater that unifies us, something beyond our our doctrines and the clothes we wear or the way our wives wear their hair. There's something of substance that holds us together. 
And I believe this is, this is a heart of pursuing unity of the Spirit. And I listen to their vantage point. I listen to their perspective. And they listen to mine. We ask questions. We do our best to not get offended and hurt when answers differ or beliefs differ. And again, to use the Abraham, the Abram and Lot analogy, we choose to look at each other and acknowledge there's not room for us here together. There's not room. We've got too much stuff. We have too much substance. And we lay down our stuff, to use that metaphor clearly. I say, you know what? I'm putting a dozen of my sheep down. You understand the metaphor. I'm laying down some of my my possessions. Why? For the pursuit of being found good and pleasant, dwelling together in unity. It's beautiful. The scripture says, again, it's beautiful. And above all else, I believe it pleases the Father because it's His design. It's His orchestrated design for His people to live together in the mystery of one in unity together. So we're going to move into part four next. Thank you for watching. Tell us your experiences. If you found victory in this through the struggling of laboring together in unity, let us know. Make it a public comment down below. Let let others know your testimony and how you have seen the hand of the Father working in this principle in your own life. And if you haven't experienced it, but you're saying, you know what? Maybe this is something I've avoided. I've avoided the struggle of having unity with the rest of the body. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fleer. I'm a runner when struggles come. It's okay. It's okay if we admit it and then we choose to change to endure alongside the brothers. So this is the mystery of one, unity in the church. You're watching the Path to Zion podcast. Come back for part four. More to come. Thank you so much for watching. Amen.